My absolute favorite's gonna be our Bull Bongo Winston. He's a big, mushy, gooey boy. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Raw Safari. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, potty people? Get it? Potty? Because you're listening to a podcast? Yep, I'm in one of those moods today, because I am so excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the Raw Safari Podcast. I actually wanted to start today by bringing you an update from a previous episode, Tinder, but for red pandas, with Lisa Termini of the Toronto Zoo. When that episode ended, I talked about how the two red pandas at the Toronto Zoo, Isla and Suva, had given birth to two cubs. At the time of the episode release, one of the cubs had passed away, and the other was still underweight, underdeveloped, and in critical condition. Well, as the weeks have gone by, the amazing care given by Lisa and her team, coupled with the loving attention paid to the cub by Isla, has led to a wonderful success story. The cub is now a healthy, adventurous, spirited red panda juvenile, and they have named her Adira, which means strong, and which also means that when I visit her, I'll be able to shout, oh my gosh, she's adirable, and think that I'm being hilarious. So, that's awesome. I highly recommend checking out at the Toronto Zoo on Instagram and Facebook because they have been posting a ton of photos and videos of Adira being adirable. See? It just works. Also, I wanted to let you know that the next episode is going to be my chat with Jungle Jordan. Jordan is a zookeeper who has become a true internet sensation for his amazing videos and photos. He produces a ton of cool content, and I'm a big fan. I wanted to let you know now, because if you don't follow him, you definitely should check him out at Jungle Jordan on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and basically any social media platform you like. He's well worth the follow. Speaking of follows, don't forget to follow at Raw Safari on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, if you're a fan of this podcast, make sure you've subscribed and given it a five-star rating and review. Also, please share the podcast with friends and on your social media feeds. It really does help grow the listener base and get these incredible stories about amazing people and their beloved animals out into the world. If you are a fan of the podcast, please consider visiting patreon.com slash rossafari and becoming a monthly supporter. I don't know if you know this, but creating a podcast is not free. There is a monthly hosting fee, recording gear to buy, and of course, the travel expenses I incur as I visit zoos. Gas, lodging, and buying a lot of extra iced coffees while I'm on the road adds up, and being a monthly patron helps offset some of that cost. I'm not trying to get rich off this pod, but if you're able to become a patron, you'll be helping me offset these costs and keep these episodes coming to you. Also, if you're not able to become a monthly patron, check out rossafari.redbubble.com for some merch, the sale of which also helps offset the costs of making this podcast. Today, I'm bringing you the second of the surprise last-minute interviews I mentioned last month. Sarah Glass, red panda expert at Zoo Knoxville, connected me with David Bright, who, along with his family, runs Bright's Zoo. Bright's Zoo is a family-owned zoo in Limestone, Tennessee. 
There is a lot of controversy over private zoos, and initially I thought I would never risk courting that controversy by going to one for this podcast. However, I felt the fact that an incredibly well-respected keeper, who is an AZA Species Survival Plan Coordinator, specifically recommended Bright's Zoo to me made it worth the trip. And it was. It turns out that Sarah even helped them get Wayne, their red panda, who I got to meet and give some grapes and apples to. David gave me a tour of the entire zoo, which included going to behind-the-scenes areas that are not open to the public, and I can confirm that Bright's Zoo takes amazing care of their animals. They also have a heavy focus on conservation, raising money each month for a different conservation organization. One of my favorite parts of this episode is when David discusses how to decide whether a conservation organization is worth putting your time and money into. It is great advice. After the tour of the zoo, I sat down with David and Maggie, who is the lead keeper at the zoo. It was really fun talking to these two and hearing some of the things that make Bright's Zoo unique. We talk about a bunch of animals, including a species I had never seen or heard of before my tour through the zoo, the Terra. These are very active and adorable mustelitids, and you should take a moment to Google them when you can. They are really unique animals, and you'll get to learn a bit about them in the interview. Also, the tale of Alpha the Giraffe is one of my favorite stories in recent memory. Okay, here is my interview with David and Maggie from Bright's Zoo. All right, so um, why don't one of you tell me? who you are, and where we are. David Bright. We're at Bright's Zoo. And you are? I am Maggie, one of the keepers here. Cool. All right. Now, um, David, I noticed that the uh, the name is Bright and the name of the zoo is Bright. So uh, I assume that this is your zoo? It is a family-owned zoo. Very so cool. My All parents, right. my wife, and myself. That's awesome. Um, now, that is a very different dynamic than we've, we've had on the podcast so far. Um, and this is a, a private for-profit zoo. So I guess the first thing I'd like to ask, David, is just tell me a little bit about the world of private zoos and, and why it's okay and why what you are doing here is, is good. Okay. We do have a strong focus on conservation. So every month we do pick a different animal or different species to focus on conservation, we try to get as much public involved in doing that as possible. But being a family-owned zoo, um, it means that everything you see at this zoo came out of the family's pocket. We don't go out and ask for donations. No taxpayer money comes here. Everything that is here is paid for by the family, and a lot of that comes through ticket sales. So when somebody comes in and buys a ticket to the zoo, 100% of that money is going to the zoo. Very cool. And um, even though you are funding yourself, you will not let yourself do things that um, are problematic in order to do that. You put the animals first. And animals that is, are always first. Yes. And that is a big difference between what you might have seen in something like Tiger King or something like that. And uh, you had mentioned earlier that you are, are very outspoken against that kind of thing. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, there's certain things that, that go on in the world that Many of us don't agree with. So if are talking about Tiger King, um, the world of cub petting, things like that, almost every zoo in America is against that. Whether it be AZA, ZAA, private, um, most of us are against that. It's not what we believe in. You know, We believe in education, and the education happens at a distance. 
So there are things that, you know, we do draft feedings, uh, Lord keep feedings, and it's controlled. We have a keeper there the entire time to make sure that animal's safe. Because that animal safety is the most important thing to us. We want to make sure that animal's always taken care of. That's awesome. And that is such a, a great goal. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and when it comes to the relationships that you have with uh, zoos that are, whether they're private or ZAA or AZA, does that matter at all? Or are you guys all helping each other out and trying to work together? For the most part, we all try to work together. Um, the, the goal is the animal. It doesn't matter what your political views are or if you're government funded or privately funded, taking care of the animal and conserving the species is what really matters. And in order to do that, we have to work together. That's awesome. I love that so much. Um, Maggie, tell me a little bit. Sorry, are you falling asleep over there? No, I'm just listening. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about what it's like being a keeper here. Uh, a lot of hard work. A lot of people think all we do, you know, we go out and play with the animals and that's about it and give them some food. Uh, that's probably about maybe half my day. The other half is cleaning up what comes out of them, <laughs> um, making sure they're getting the proper nutrients and min uh, medications, things like that. Uh, of course, making sure their enclosures are safe and proper for them. Um, you know, we have some couple storms come through, so fencing could easily break. So, you know, I, I not only have to look at my animals, I have to look at their environment. Uh, of course, yeah, you know, playing is fun. So coming up with novel enrichment ideas is always a great, you know, great time for the animals, um, making them work for their food. So they're literally not just sitting around. It's one of the big complaints we have of people. Oh, it's it's just sleeping. Well, first off, that's mostly what these animals are going to do anyway. Right, right. But we do like to keep them, you know, up and active if we can. So it's a fun part. But yeah, it's it's. It's got its ups and downs. I mean, there's the great aspects of babies being born, but then you have to go to the other end of the spectrum and, you know, things get old and you have to deal with that aspect as well. So you kind of get a little bit of everything. Um, and then, of course, there is the aspect of dealing with the public. So we do deal with humans, not just animals. Um, you know, answering any questions kids or adults may have or making sure, again, that those animals are safe during encounters. Um, you know, trying to get our, our word admission out there about what we're trying to do with these species. Very cool. And I understand that you actually live on property? I do. That's really rare. Uh, is there a benefit to that? Yes and no. Uh, it's great because I can wake up about 10 minutes before having to come to work <laughs> and get to work on time. Um, at the same time, you know, if someone like, oh, man, I, I think I forgot this. Can you just go check? I get called to go and do it. So, uh, you know, I'm a lot closer than some people that live offsite. But it does really help out. Um, you know, I can take care of extra babies. If we have animals that need extra assistance, I'm right here. Um, if we have an emergency, I'm right here. So it's really nice for that aspect. I really like the sleeping in aspect. It's kind of one of my big pushes for it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really fun. And then the sounds at night, the zoo is completely different at night. Oh, wow. um, and so a lot of people, you know, think it's really interesting during the day, but there's a lot more noises at night. Um, the first few nights, you got to get used to them, and then after that, they become white noise. But it's still pretty cool to just be, you know, sitting out my front porch, and all of a sudden, you know, I can hear the flamingos or the red rough lemurs are going off. And, you know, most of the time, I can go, okay, they're just making that noise. But there are a few times where you're like, is something out there? So you kind of just go out and check and make sure things are okay. So it, it does definitely have a lot more perks than downfalls, but still, it's, it's a good time. That's really, really cool. Um, yeah, I know just from being a fan of zoos that a lot of times it seems like 
you know, a keeper comes in the next day and something happened overnight and no one knew and no one could do anything about it. So that's kind of cool that you've got that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's going to happen, you know, regardless, but it's nice to have the ability to be a little quicker response or something. So it, especially during the storms, um, I mean, another keeper will, will come out, you know, we'll, we'll just watch the trees in the property and things like that. Or if we really feel it's bad, we'll even do a quick walkthrough in the middle of the night. So. That's awesome. I really love that. Very cool. Um, so, David, how did you decide to, or how did your family decide to get into into being a, a zoo-owning family? All right. So, for a very long time, our family raised quarter horses for the track. And my parents met a person that was doing that that also was in the zoo world. And so, for my parents' 25th anniversary, my dad bought my mother a zebra. And it kind of took off from there. Zebras turned into something else and adding something else. And we found that we had a lot more animals, exotic animals, than we had horses. And we kind of put our focus to that and becoming a breeding facility, and which the world needs, you know, new animals. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And Maggie, how did you get into zookeeping? Uh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I knew it was exactly what I wanted to do. I was watching, you know, Steve Irwin, Jack Hanna on TV when I was like five years old. And ever since then, I mean, that's what my focus has been. And I've been in the zoo field about 12 years now. So, Very cool. Very cool. Uh, has it been here the whole time or have you bounced around? Or? No, I've, I've bounced around. I've been here about seven years total. Um, and I've done a couple of other stints at both AZA and non-AZA facilities, uh, a couple internships and things like that. So kind of been all over, but yeah, about the past seven years been here. Cool. What, what's your favorite placement other than here? Obviously here is your favorite because your boss is sitting right next <laughs> to you. So regardless, here is your favorite. Well, actually, I love the mountains, so I can't complain. That's um, awesome. Depending, I mean, it's, I've been a few different places. I mean, I worked in Miami. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the animals there, but hated the heat. Yeah, um, I get that. <laughs> but I liked Cape May when I was there. And then I was at a big cat refuge down in Arkansas called Turpentine Creek. Um, great facility. So, I mean, it's, it's just been really dependent. But, I mean, the mountains here are really, really what drew me in. So That's awesome. All right. So uh, why don't you tell me about some of your animals here, uh, some names and personalities? I've got plenty of them. Um, I'll say I got definitely have, have, you know, you've got the favorites, which are always going to, somebody always weasel their way into your heart. So <laughs> my absolute favorite is going to be our Bull Bongo Winston. Um, he's just, I don't know, he's just so laid back for being this about, you know, a couple hundred pound big old antelope, um, giant horns that could do so much damage, but he's just a big puppy dog and <laughs> he's really easygoing and he loves scratches behind the horns and scratches behind the ears. So he'll persist to, to you to do it when you're up in there. Um, he'll eat carrots out of your hands and he just, he's a big mushy gooey boy. Um, he's, he's just the best thing ever. I don't, I don't know how else to explain him. Um, and he, it's really cool is because he's a critically endangered species. And so he's very important to the zoo to begin with. Um, but yeah, he's just very important to me. And then, I mean, everyone loves the giraffes. Like, you know, I can't say I don't love them. Um, and of course I do have a favorite, which is going to be Alf. And that's just cause I got to raise him. So, oh, nice. uh, you know, you, you put on all that extra hard work, of course, they're going to be up there. Uh, he's the biggest goober in the whole, like, I, I don't know how else. Like, you could literally ask any keeper here, and they would tell you the exact same. He's just a goober. Um, goofball to the extreme, 
tongue always out of his mouth, either in his nose or, you know, just waggling around in the air. Um, big drool ball, slimes coming out everywhere, wants to get into everything. Um, just because he was hand-raised um, for medical purposes and things like that. We had some issues when he was born. So he's very curious about everything. Um, we didn't want him to be standoffish. And so we introduced him to a lot of things early on. So that really brought his personality of, I got to know what everything is. And he'll get in your business. And now that he's about 13 foot tall, it, it still doesn't matter. He'll still get in your business and not realize he's a lot bigger. Um, a few animals that are, are really unique that not a lot of people like. Um, the vultures have really, really worked their ways into my heart. I always loved our Cape Vulture Clyde. He's just, he's this big, bad bird, but he's a big softy underneath. You know, he, he talks a mean game, but doesn't mean anything by it. So he'll yell at you and stuff from a distance. But if you call his bluff, he'll just, okay, all right. Um, he's gorgeous to begin with, too. You know, beautiful white feathers, a little bit of gray speckling, um, bluish gray skin tone. So he's just, he's handsome and he knows it. Uh, and then we got the king vultures in, and I've always loved king vultures, but Midas, our one king vulture, uh, I started working with him when he first came in and got him to pretty pretty friendly. Um, most of the other keepers won't say that, but with him <laughs> and me, we're, we're pretty, pretty nice. Um, he comes over and he'll start talking to me, and I can actually get him to step up on my arm. Oh, wow. um, and so he's, he's really good. He lets me, you know, scratch him under the chin and stuff. Uh, other keepers are not a big a fan of him. Um, apparently, he comes after them. I, I don't know what they're talking about, but <laughs> he's a good boy for me. So most of the time, people don't tend to look at the vultures. You know, you think vulture and, oh, gross, eats dead stuff. Um, but the king vultures and cape vultures are just beautiful. I mean, they're they're gorgeous colors, um, you know, one from Africa, one from South America. So they're really unique species in their own right, um, you know, and they're just they're very important too. I mean, that's what people don't understand is, you know, the vultures clean up all the stuff that's left behind. And, you know, if they didn't do that, then, you know, all that stuff's just going to rot and get gross. And so it, it, they're very important to the ecosystems. And so I just, I like having them around. And so, I mean, you know, there's, I could keep going on for hours if we wanted on species and, you know, especially unique ones and things like that. So well, there are a couple that I wanted to ask about. Sure. Um, and and first of all, uh, I'd love I'd love for you guys to talk about the the bintrongs here a little bit. Um, okay. I'm a huge fan of bintrongs, and I got to go and hang out with these guys a little bit, oh. and it was it was amazing. Um, so was tell so me, happy. oh, yeah. so happy. So go ahead and tell me about these two personalities uh, because they could be named night and day, as far as I'm yes. concerned. Yeah. Yes. So Pris is our female amazing, uh, very laid back, as you, I'm sure you saw. She just kind of hangs out. Um, she's very food motivated. She is a lover of food, so I can feel her in that sense. We're, we're both kind of fat kids. And so um, you got bananas. She's your best friend. Uh, she'll kind of come over. She just hangs out. Orville, on the other hand, yeah, not so much. Um, nope. Grumpiest kid we have by far. Uh, you look at him, and he's yelling at you. Um, not the greatest, so, you know, the keepers are always cautious about him. But with Orville, he's mostly vocal. Uh, we've never had an issue where he's done anything with the keepers or anything like that. He just likes to let us know he doesn't like us. Uh, so it's fun, but it is interesting to see when we mix them um, – Pris puts him in his place. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. yep, she's in charge. So if she doesn't like something or she wants something, she tells Orville, hey, that's mine, or back off. And he's a respectful man, so he does. Uh, 
Hey, y'all. It's time for Interrupting John. I just had to cut in here for a second because I actually have some video of the Binturong in question being mean to me. And uh, I thought I would share the audio of that with you here. And then I will post the video on my Facebook and Instagram stories so that you can see exactly what was going on. So the next sound you're going to hear is a humming sound that may make you think that your headphones are messed up, but in fact, it is Orville expressing his displeasure with me. As you will hear, it gets a little more intense as time goes on. If I walk in with him, mm-hmm. he's not like that. Oh, interesting. He's going to get out of my way. Well, there's a wire between He's really great. <laughs> it's like people on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I see you, bud. Let's go. What can I say? I have a way with animals. Okay, back to the interview. They are a very unique species. Um, we're excited to have them. They've got the, everyone knows the, the popcorn smell, um, or, you know, other people like to call it the corn chip smell. I felt when I was down there today, this one, the, these two felt a little, or smelled a little more popcorn-y to me. Mm-hmm. I have, I have like noticed there's like almost a, yeah, a range. It's kind and of like a distinct, yeah. um, it's really fun. Cause yeah, like you can kind of go to individuals, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And yeah, like Orville will have one day, oh, he's definitely more corn chip. And then yeah, Pris the next day is more popcorn. Right. And you know, I mean, we all have our own unique smells, so um, I couldn't say why they wouldn't have their own, um. And they are mostly nocturnal. They'll kind of hang out early in the mornings and late in the evenings. Most of the day they're going to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't blame them. That's what I would like to do, yeah, too. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, prehensile tail so they can climb up trees and use it and hang by it um pris is really good she'll find like the thinnest branch possible and lay on that but then use her tail to hold on so we're like that branch is gonna snap we just know it um, never does but so she knows properly how to use her tail um we've seen her pick up when we're in there cleaning the broom and dustpan and throw it around and we're like Nice. Thanks. That's, you know, very helpful. Nice. So they're, they're pretty interesting. Um, they are omnivores, so both meat and plant material. Um, Chris really likes hard-boiled eggs. Oh, cool. So, Me too, um, actually. So It's a good good, good treat for her, so she gets them today, once so. in a while. Um, <laughs> we can't give them too much, the, the yolk's too much, but uh, she does get them about twice a week. So nice. Orville's a little bit more picky. He prefers his fruits, so we stick to that. Cool. So I have to tell you, um, when I was down there hanging out uh, with with Orville, um, I, I've had this thing in my life where I, I the animals that I really love tend to really love me, and I have been told, you know, there is a red panda that is is not okay with any men, and I'm, I think I'm the only one who successfully fed him. Oh, nice. Male, like stuff like that, and I'm so used to that. So so David here tells me, you know, oh Orville's gonna be grumpy, and I'm like, uh huh. Wait till you see the the the, the animal <laughs> whisperer here. Three seconds, and he's yelling and screaming at me. Sounds and, about and right. I, I was like, okay, okay, you you, you, you were right. <laughs> by the way. Um, um, it was amazing, though, to be attacked by a Vintrong. And again, I say attack, but it was through the fence and everything was very safe. Yep. It was just <laughs> vocally attacked. And yeah, like I said, he'll hilarious. let you know every little bit that he does not like about you. And, you know, luckily we can understand him because I'm yes. sure there would be things that we wouldn't want to hear. Yeah, I um, didn't know Bintrongs could swear, but I'm yeah. pretty sure I heard a couple of I'm sure of he'd find, like, all those little insecurities <laughs> about yourself and he'd throw them at you. So, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll joke around. We'll have conversations back with him. Like, oh, yeah? Is that, is that so? Oh, yeah? Oh, you don't say. And, you know, he just gets madder and madder. And you're like, all right, I'm leaving. Oh, so funny. That was great. Um, another animal that I wanted to ask about, and I have never seen one of these before today. And I actually I pulled up the name because I couldn't remember the name. But it's it's a, a Terra? Oh, the Terras, yeah. Terra, yeah. So tell me about them. And, and listeners, um, Google Google, it's T-A-Y-R-A. Uh, they are amazing. And and so tell me tell me about them. I know nothing, so educate me. They're, they're pretty interesting. Um, they're kind of like an otter ferret mix. Um, they are in the weasel family, so they are related and everything. And they are just like bounds of energy in a tiny little package that could do a whole lot of damage. Uh, sharp teeth and sharp claws. They are native to South America. Um, we have a breeding pair and then a single female in two separate exhibits. Um, they're just, I mean, the boundless energy when you get them going. It's like someone just, you know, wind them up and they just bounce off the walls. Um, very, very long and linky, like the ferrets, um, you know, and they're just, I don't, I mean, I don't know how else to explain them, but they're just, they're fun, unique. Yeah. Not a lot of facilities have them. Um, and they, they are omnivores as well. So both meat and plant material, um, you give them an egg and they go to town and they will not let any last bit of that egg. Now we give them raw eggs okay. um, and they lap up every little bit and watch them maneuver it, how to get it cracked open. Um, some of them will just bite right through it. Other ones will take it and throw it against the wall. So it splatters everywhere. <laughs> um, if they don't clean it up, then we have a nice mess to pick up after, but they are definitely, you know, unique. And some of the vocalizations they have are like a messed up cat kind of noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to hear a few um, of those. Yeah, so, you know, they've got the growls and grumbles and stuff like that, but then they have that weird little kind of meow noise, and you know, the first time you hear it, you throw off, and you're like, what was that? You know, almost like a dying cat. Um, and then you start realizing, um, for the most part, ours are pretty easygoing. Uh, Suki is the one that's in our South American building. She's our single female. Um, she's really easygoing, but she likes to be destructive. So if the keepers are not prepared with an extra enrichment, she will pick up the broom or dustpan and make that her enrichment. Uh, so usually when we're in there cleaning and things like that, there's at least six or seven other toys for her to destroy. Nice. So she doesn't mess up with our cleaning supplies. Um, Ozzy and Harriet are our breeding pair. <laughs> yep. So, um, and they're, they're a little bit more laid back. They kind of stay away from the keepers for the most part. Um, they see us more as just the food bringers, but they are very interested in things. So uh, our keepers are always trying to come up with new novel puzzles for them. Uh, again, they are very destructive. So if we don't come up with something that's sturdy, it doesn't last very long. And then they're like, okay, what's next? Um, <laughs> they do like to scent mark. It's pretty much a normal Tabor behavior. So they'll rub pretty much every part of their body on anything that they can. Um, you know, they'll, they'll mark a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, there's worse marking ways, so I, mean, I can't complain too much. But it is not a very fun smell. Uh, it also is very oily, so it does make cleaning a bit harder. Um, but it's normal for them. Again, part of the weasel family, they usually produce extra oils in their coats. Um, same thing with otters and all. Right. So that's why most of the mustelids tend to be pretty stinky to begin with. Um, but they are, they're just a fun, unique, and interesting species to have. Yeah, that 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 was amazing. It's it's pretty rare nowadays that I see a species I have mm -hmm. not seen before. Um, oh, we, we like to do that. That around was amazing. Here. Yeah, there were a couple things here I was really impressed by, which actually makes me wonder, um, David, how do you decide? what you're going to bring in and, and how do you go about uh, doing that? Part of it's availability. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with South America. Um, we're in Guyana 
multiple times a year working with the Guyana government on animals. And so we bring a lot in from there and it's, you know, what do they have available? And we try to see if that's a fit for us. And if it is, you know, we'll try to bring it in. Um, with the Tara, it was the first time we saw him. It was an amazement of an animal that was n- never going to stop. It was always on the go. And we thought, okay, that'll draw a guest to pay attention. To have an animal like that that didn't just sit there. Um, it'll draw their attention in. And that gives us the chance to talk about education or conservation. So that's part of it. Um, we have a strong focus on endangered species here. So over 70% of the animals in the zoo are on the endangered species list. And that's a huge focus for us. Very cool. Um, so um, what are some of your favorites that are here? Um. Bongo have always been at the top of my list, um, which is a huge African antelope. And then camels. Um, I've enjoyed camels for a long time. You know, it's, it's an animal I can walk in and I don't know if we have the same personality or, or what, but I I've tend to get along really well with camels. That's very cool. And that's not one you hear all that often. So no. that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think, um, so I, I have, uh, the podcast stemmed from an Instagram account where I do za- daily zoo photos. Nice. Um, and I, you know, get a good number of likes on most of those photos. And the last time that I posted what I thought was a gorgeous camel shot, got like 60 some likes. And I was like, oh man, come on. Camels are they cool. Are, they are underrated. Our <laughs> girls really are really nice. Yeah. They, they seem gorgeous when we were hanging out back there. They, yeah, awesome you caught them at the good time where they're not shedding anymore, yeah. so they don't look yeah. miserable. Yeah, no, and I've had, I've like, I was at the wilds in Ohio, and I got to um, have a, a camel literally like stick her head into <laughs> the, the car and, and hang out, and um, and they're so cool. And so, yes, all of you listening, go go pay attention to camels because they're awesome, and and they spit, which is pretty pretty entertaining as well. <laughs> um. So I wanted to open the floor to both of you um, and ask if there are any plugs that you want to give to any conservation organizations or any um, any particularly interesting, cool things that, that you would like to share about, that you're passionate about. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and no worries. I can edit out the silence the, as you think. On the spot. Holy jeez. <laughs> no, I think with conservation, for me, it's, you know, let's do something different every month. And get social media involved. And so on our website, we have some things that you know, we post. This is what we did this month. This is what we're working on this month. So like last month for us was Red Panda. And we did Red Panda, the Red Panda Network. And we did it because we chose them that month because it was our Red Panda, Wayne's, birthday that month. And so we tied it in. You know, for June... It was draft because we had one of our draft birthday was in June. Nice. And being able to tie those together helps us raise a little bit more money. And we try to do it a couple of ways. We have donation things here at the zoo. People can put money in. They can do it through our website or we'll direct them directly to whichever animal we're working on. So if it's red panda, it's the red panda network. If it's giraffe, it's draft conservation. Um, this month we're working on taper. Nice. And it's not just one species, it's you know, all taper species. So, you know, and I try to, a month ahead, I'm trying to figure out what's next month. 
and you know to me every dollar helps oh absolutely absolutely and, you know, and that's i try to tell people that all the time hey if you need to put a quarter in that jar if you know a hundred thousand people put a quarter in that jar we've raised a lot of money for uh-huh. conservation and that's the mindset that i think everybody needs to have not you don't have to be a big donor no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, the first time that I did a, a charity drive for Red Panda Network, I know, shocker. Um, I, uh, I think I raised $125 and I felt kind of bad about that for a minute. And then I was like, wait, no, that's, that's $125. They didn't have it before. Yeah. And the way Red Panda Network breaks it down, and I know a lot of, a lot of good organizations do, but they, they, they actually tell you, you know, $15 funds this for this long and 20 And when I actually looked at what we had funded, I was like, whoa, all right, we go team. That. That's, that's really cool. So yeah, I think that's, that's, really awesome um maggie any any thoughts on anything you want to share i mean there's you know people can just you know google up and you can do some research and you know find a species that you enjoy and you know there's plenty out there so absolutely less and less every day though it's kind of a problem yeah (laughs) wish i could change that in an instant but yeah for us it's it i I like to see places that you know your money's going somewhere good Mm -hmm. and i do focus on that you know i'll go out and research that organization and how much is the CEO making that, you know, if the CEO is making hundreds of thousands of dollars and I don't feel like my donations going in the right direction. Right. And so when you look at the ones like, you know, the draft conservation foundation, red panda network, the taper husbandry, um, those, the CEOs aren't making money. You know, they're, they're in it for the right reason. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then the the last question that I have is I would love if either or both of you could uh, hit me up with a, a Rossafari poop story. I got a few of them. Um, one, I was doing an education program where we go off to schools and things like that. We bring some animal ambassadors out and um, I took out our rhino iguana and i had him out and holding him out and next thing i know he goes to the bathroom because he does his thing and it went down my arm down my shirt down my leg onto the floor and all the kids you know oh and you gotta just roll with it because there's nothing i can do about it um and then we've had our ambassador kinkajou uh stitch we also like to nickname him Poopy. Uh, you can kind of guess why. Because when normally we have him out, he likes to sit up on our shoulders. And so uh, he hangs out there. And then all of a sudden, you feel something warm going down your back. And it's always it always happens without fail. Uh, he goes to the bathroom on us. So it's it's just a fun, you know, and again, you can't really do anything about it. You, you got to roll with it. Clean up the mess when you're done. But, I mean, yeah, plenty of shirts have gone through the wash right after a simple little presentation. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's always fun to deal with that. And of course people are like, aren't you grossed out? Like I've had worse on me. Uh, as long as it's not in my mouth or my eyes, we're all good. It's like everything else can get washed. So that's great. I, I have a, I have a follow-up question sure. for you. <laughs> this might be a complete stretch. I don't know. But, um, well, if, if, if I were to go and walk into your house right now, what animal would it most smell like? Oh, right now, um, <laughs> probably kinkajou. Nice. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it's definitely a unique. I mean, my dogs are pretty stinky, but fair, fair. And then my roommate is too. Now she's <laughs> she's not. She's actually probably the cleaner of the two of us. But ah, uh, I mean, yeah, because we did have um, we did have a kinky Jew in the house for a while when we were raising. Um, he had some issues when he was born, so we were hen raising him as well. So I'd, I'd probably go kinky Jew. Nice would be the biggest thing. Um, and then hay, we did have a couple of um, antelope we were bottle raising as well. So we've got a bunch of hay in the house. So. A good, a good hoofstock and kinkajou mix. Nice, so. nice. And I guess that is another advantage of living here. Yes, it is. Having a hard you night know. sleeping, you just go and grab a red panda and cut out. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, but don't, I don't I'm know if Wayne would let me. <laughs> no, but. Wayne is, Wayne is uh, a little hands off. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't got grapes, we're not, we're not friends. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, David, do you have any, uh, any story that you'd like to add to all of that? Yeah, we've got, um, I'll go on camels because, like I said, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. But for me, one of the most enjoyable things is, that I get a kick out of is watching somebody the very first time get spit on by a camel. And, you know, and the difference in camels, a dromedary camel doesn't really spit. It's more of a, I don't know, I guess a vomit. It doesn't protrude or doesn't go out. But a Bactrian camel can produce almost a gallon of spit and spray it 20 feet out. Oh, wow. And they're pretty accurate about hitting you in the face. (laughs) And... I've worked with camels now for over 20 years. Getting spit on doesn't affect me. I don't, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. But a lot of times, the first time somebody gets spit on, they're going to be gagging and can't handle it. And we were doing some camel training, and I had an employee with me that was just cracking up that I was getting spit on constantly. And in his mind, the camels would never spit on him. They were his friends, and we switched places. And he was talking to the camel and had his mouth open, and the camel filled his entire mouth. <laughs> and, of course, he's on the ground gagging, and all the rest of us are standing there just cracking up. It was the funniest thing we'd seen in a long time. And after that, he had the, the total respect of, yes, the camels will spit on anybody <laughs> if you make them upset. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Happy to do it. No problem. I really enjoyed my time visiting Bright's Zoo and hanging out with the incredible animals there, as well as David and Maggie. Also, I want to give a shout out to another keeper at the zoo, Maxine, who I spent time with while hanging out with Wayne the Red Panda. Maxine was incredibly passionate and kind, and I wish I had been recording while we were hanging out because it was a great conversation. I was slightly distracted by an adorable red panda, however. Maxine has been incredibly supportive of the pod since we met, and I appreciate that so much. You can check out her Instagram at Maxine, M-A-X-E-N-E, Sunshine. Also, check out Bright's Zoo online at brightszoo.com and on Insta at brightszoo. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy some adorable credits. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.